You get an idea, you get an idea, everyone gets a marketing idea. The problem with ideas are it's a dime in a dozen. There's a lot of ideas out there. And with limited time, budget, and resources, what should your marketing team focus on? That's what really it's all about. That's where prioritization frameworks like Jason Bridal's A to E framework comes in. So the A to E framework is a document that's designed to help marketing teams evaluate the value of an idea to help give them focus and to set context for reviewers and other stakeholders within the organization. And it's something that can be used for any kind of project, whether that is at a kind of broad strategic level or it can be applied at an individual artifact level. Today, Jason Bradwell shares the five pillars of the A2A framework to help you evaluate marketing ideas and gain alignment. Today, you learn first the importance of gaining company-wide alignment. Second, the five pillars of the A2A framework. Third, a real example of Jason framework in action. And fourth, how starting a podcast has accelerated Jason's career. He also provided steps on how to get started right now. Before I start, I've created a free power-up strategy that you can download, fill in, and apply Jason's A to E framework right away. You can go to Marketing Pops to get it right now or find that link in the description or show notes. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing Power-Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Rambly John. Let's talk about marketing power-ups. Uh, one of them we're going to be talking about is the framework you use, the A to E uh, framework. Before we get into that, I mean, one of the main purpose of this is really to align uh, stakeholders and, and other teams in a company around work you do as, as marketers. Why is that so important? I mean, it's, it's obvious for, for some folks, but I just want to paint a picture of like importance of making sure everybody's aligned. Why is, why is it important to make sure everybody's aligned uh, as to what marketing is, is doing? Yeah, I think there's like two elements to this. I think there's like an alignment within the marketing team and there's alignment of marketing within the wider organization. So if we take the first one, it's important for a marketing team to be aligned because obviously that's how you produce high quality work consistently. If everyone's just doing their own thing and there's no coordination or alignment in between them, uh, you're just going to have this highly diluted, hot mess of stuff that doesn't really tie into any, you know, commercial brand objectives. So it's important to have alignment within the team to make sure that you can, you know, perform as a function. The second part is it's important for marketing to be aligned within the wider organization um, so that the function itself um, is perceived as a growth driver as opposed to a cost center. And that's where as marketers, we all want to be, right? If right. we're just the department within the business that is, you know, doing a bunch of crazy random stuff that the CEO, the CEFO don't really understand the reason for. When it comes around to budget season, which is kind of where we are now as we're recording this, um, the line item called marketing is going to be the first to be slashed, particularly in the kind of macroeconomic environment that we're in at the moment. Whereas if there is alignment between the company, particularly leadership and the decisions that marketing is making as a function, uh, it just helps justify um, decision-making. So th that's why alignment's important. That's so, that's so true. I think often um, as marketers, 
we should be marketing marketing within an organization. Yeah, it's funny how you know that word wordplay is, but it's true. Like we need to uh, communicate within our team ourselves. Like what are some of the stuff we're doing so that they can even like rally around marketing and share the stuff that we're working on, uh, the new content we we put out, so that they're uh, everybody's excited uh, about the stuff that they're working on. So it makes sense. Definitely, it's about talk- building confidence, right? It's it's about building confidence when when the CEO and the CFO, um, you know, are having to make some tough decisions. Um, they don't want you want them in a in a position where they already understand the thought process behind an investment into a particular channel, tactic, campaign, whatever. Um, if they're coming to you after the fact and saying, "Why did we do this again?" Mm-hmm. Those words should be really sending a shiver down a marketer's spine. So yeah, alignment helps fix that. I love, I love that. I think that's so, that's so true. I, I love that word that you use, confidence. I think that's so true. And you also use the word investment. Like people, you're going back to what you said earlier. Like it's, it's yeah. You, you want to want people to see, especially the, the the leadership, to see marketing as a growth driver, as a positive investment, into growing the brand, growing, yeah. you know, getting new sales growing leads or whatever uh, the goal of the business is essentially. Exactly right. I want to talk about this framework now, the A2E framework. Uh, can you describe, can you briefly go through that the five pillars uh, and explain what each one is as to uh, making sure that there's alignment within uh, a company in terms of marketing? Absolutely. So the A to E framework is a document that's designed to help marketing teams evaluate the value of an idea um, to help give them focus and to set context for reviewers and other stakeholders within the organization. Um, And it's something that can be uh, used for any kind of project, whether that is at a kind of broad strategic level, like what is the campaign we want to run over the next you know, quarter the next year, um, or it could be applied at an individual artifact level. So if we want to publish a piece of content, you can use the ADE framework to uh, help achieve some of those benefits I just mentioned. And you said five pillars. The reason why there are five pillars is because originally it was called the ADCDE framework. Um, but that became a bit of a mouthful when I was like talking about this a lot <laughs> with your team. <laughs> So we just consolidated it to the A to E framework. And that's like A, the number two E framework. And those five pillars are audience, uh, belief, creative, distribution, and end result. So this is a, this is a word document um, with those five titles. And it is to be filled out before you run any project or any campaign or you publish any piece of content. And I can break those down for you. So audience outlining exactly who it is that we want to target with this particular project the more specific you can be the better you can kind of outline your icp if you can outline your buyer persona if you can outline pain points buying triggers as much information to give anyone who's referring to this document a really firm understanding on who it is exactly we're going after that's where you want to get to the second is your belief So what is the specific message or messages that you are trying to convey to the market? Um, Why should your audience care about them? And why are you a company best positioned to be 
sharing that message, to be sharing that point of view. And this one's really important because as you and I both know, there is a lot of generic commoditized content out there in the market. I think it's only going to get worse now that we're starting to see things like chat GPT pumping out blog posts, you know, within seconds. So being really clear on here's why we're different. Here's what we, what we're trying to say is different is, is super important. Uh, creative. Um, so what are the specific assets? Uh, or, cha- or channels that we want to, what, what specific assets do we want to create and what requirements or direction can we provide um, uh, to help uh, create them um, as quickly and as effectively and to high production value as possible. Um, and here's also where you can kind of provide examples. So if there is a particular style or guideline that you want to follow, you can also throw it into the ATE framework in this section. Um, and you could also use this as your kind of high level kind of project management spiel. So, you know, here is who is responsible for each piece of creative. Um, and here's when we kind of expect to need it by. I think you want to avoid going into too much granular detail. You want to save that for a project management piece of software. But like if you're applying the A to E framework to a three month campaign and you know there's going to be a blog post series than saying, you know, blog post series assigned to Jason delivered by X, um, you know, is a good place to, to put this. Um, the, uh, the D of the AD framework is distribution. Where are these assets going to live? Uh, how are they going to be promoted and across what channels and whether, uh, the assets will link to any other artifacts that you have in your kind of domain. So for instance, like if you have you know, a, a podcast series um, that you're launching as part of, you know, this, this campaign and you want to make sure you tie that podcast series back to your website or another piece of content or some sort of other channel. Um, uh, or you want to repurpose it, for instance, you include that in the distribution, um, in the distribution section. And then finally, end result, um, as the name suggests, it's a quantifiable, measurable result. Uh, and a series of milestones that you're going to use to determine whether the project has been a success. It's at the end of the ADE framework, just because in terms of the acronym, it it works. (laughs) But actually, it's the most important part of uh, filling out the ADE framework. I've seen it time and time again. Marketers and and B2B organizations, they have a great idea for a piece of creative, a piece of distribution, um, a piece of content. And um, they don't actually sit down and think, well, how are we going to know at the end of this on whether we've been successful or not? Um, and if you can't answer that question, you really should just be taking a beat to figure out if this is the right time and the right idea to be rolling out with. So those are the five pillars, audience, belief, creative, distribution, and, and result. Well, I love it so much because it's easy to remember <laughs> the A, B, C, D, E uh, stuff. But I think the other thing that I love here so much is that people are actually really thinking through the thing. Um, before we recorded, you mentioned like marketer, you're getting marketers to think the what, how, and why, um, you know, the end results, especially even distribute. I think often, especially in content marketing, uh, distribution is almost an afterthought, which is unfortunate for a lot of content teams. Uh, and it's like embedded right there. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about the belief, the positioning, and the audience. So it's it's about thinking through this um, and making sure uh, you even poking holes at this uh, as a team as once you've created this is what I'm guessing uh, you know the process is once you fill this out 
share it with a team and the team is like, you know, I'm not so sure this is going to work out and really get a discussion going. So what you uh, see happening uh, happened before when this, this is filled out. Absolutely. So in terms of how you kind of practically fill out this ADE framework, it's kind of similar to, you know, that example with Amazon, you know, they don't do PowerPoint presentations before every meeting, the kind of lead of that meeting will write out a six page document on exactly what it is they want to achieve. And then everyone at the beginning of the meeting will take, you know, 20 minutes, read it, and then they'll debate the, the idea. It's kind of similar. It's a kind of similar concept. So like if as a marketing manager or, or a senior marketing lead, I want to use the ADE framework to help structure, you know, a three month campaign, a quarterly campaign, I'll go away, I'll fill it out. I'll then provide it to my team, uh, to have a review. And it's a great conversation starter. You know, is the idea sound? Do we understand who we want to go after? Um, do we, with all the creative and distribution um, activities I've outlined, have the capacity and the resources needed to deliver that? Is the end result tied to what is it? What it is we're as a team trying to achieve? So, yeah, from from a marketing team alignment point of view, it helps bring everyone on the same page. But then also, at the kind of marketing function within the company alignment level, it means that you can hand it to, you know, your executive team, your CEO or chief revenue officer or anyone else who is going to be interested and impacted by this campaign. And they have an at-a-glance view of exactly what it is you're going to do, how you're going to achieve it, and why you decided to go in this particular direction. And at the end of the campaign, if you've delivered it as you've said that you're going to deliver it, and look, caveat here, things change, right? So this shouldn't be looked at as like a static document. It can and should evolve over the course, particularly of a, of a, of a long-standing campaign. But at the end of it, if it perhaps didn't perform as well as you wanted it to, or perhaps it overperformed, it gives you a benchmark to go back and say, well, you know, we were very clear on what we wanted to achieve and, and how we wanted to do it and why it was important. You know, maybe it didn't work as we expected, but we can now take some learnings from that and apply it to our next ADE framework. There's not, you know, unless in a situation where you're having to kind of, you know, defend yourself. Um, uh, on why you went down a particular road uh, because no one can quite remember, you know, you've, you've got it documented. Before we continue, I want to thank those who made this video possible, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up mode and you have KPIs to hit, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups. And it's a lot to handle. Demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and even more. That's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWell, Teamworks, ProtSocial, and HubDoc build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing problems at a fraction of the cost of in-house, look no further. Go to 42agency.com to talk to a strategist to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine now. You can find that link in the description below. Let's jump back in. And that's an important piece, the, the documentation. I think that having that is a good exercise on its own, especially with, with a remote team. Now, like documenting all that stuff uh, really works out well. I, I want to go through an example of this framework, uh, and then we can go through B2B Better. It's a podcast that you have for people who are tuning in. Go check it out. Uh, I am one of the guests, and also I've listened to a few episodes and super good stuff. It's also a newsletter, but also it's, uh, I don't know if I'm spoiling the secret here, but it's it's turning into a whole consultancy um, business that you're working on. 
So congrats on that, by the way. Uh, Thank you. Can we can we walk through this on any part of maybe even a podcast episode, whatever you want, uh, in terms of like you know the audience, the belief, um, the creative, the distribution, and then uh, the end the end result uh, for it. Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah, you're right. B two B better is the name of a lot of different things I'm working on at the moment, but you haven't spoiled anything. It's very exciting that you know uh, it's become a you know marketing consultancy advisory firm for B two B solution providers, but. Yeah, we'll use the podcast as an example. So um, I've been doing B2B better for the last, you know, two or three years. Um, it's evolved over that time. At the beginning, it was really just me talking to other B2B marketers in the midst of the pandemic, hitting a record and publishing it out there um, for the world to enjoy. Um, it has become much more refined um, over, over the last year or so in terms of its focus. And that's been in, in part... Uh, helped by having a tool like the AVE framework to, uh, uh, to, to help focus things. Um, so going through those five pillars, you know, for, for me to be better, who is the audience I'm going after? I'm interested in reaching um, complex B2B technology solution providers. These are organizations that perhaps have in-house products, but they are packaged with either managed or professional services um, to solve a bespoke client need. That is a very different organization in terms of how it markets and sells its, its solution um, to a kind of off-the-shelf, out-of-the-box credit card SaaS product. So um, I think it's important to differentiate. It's my background. These are the kind of companies I've worked with in the past, and I feel like they're the audience that I want to target and go after. So tick, I know, I know that. What is the belief? What is the message I'm trying to convey? The message I'm trying to convey is within these organizations, the typical go-to-market commercial strategy is outbound sales. So you'll typically see organizations have, you know, maybe one to five in-house marketers and then, you know, three to four times that number in salespeople. And they have probably been successfully running a cold outbound sales approach for, for a number of years, but they are going to start to see if they haven't already started to see diminishing returns. It's a classic, you know, demand creation, demand capture right. debate. And I think using those two terms, demand creation, demand capture, within the SaaS space, it is pretty well acknowledged that you need to find that, that right balance between uh, brand and, and, and demand. Um, not so much in the kind of more um, archaic, I guess is the word I'll use, um, B2B solution space. It's that they're taking a little bit longer to catch up to this new way of thinking. So, you know, the message I'm trying to convey is, you know, if you do not, as an organization, find that better balance, you are going to start to experience diminishing returns in terms of how much revenue, how much pipeline of revenue that you can generate. There is a new way of doing business. There is a new way of, reaching the modern day buyer in every industry. And my podcast is there to help you um, uh, figure out what that looks like for, for your business. In terms of the creative, it's a podcast. Um, it's a weekly um, uh, uh, narrative driven uh, uh, series. So by that, I mean that I interview people, yourself included, um, uh, on a particular topic, ABM, enterprise sales, um, social selling, thought leadership, whatever. 
and I will take your answers and kind of into and, and cut them with my own insights and, and kind of takeaways based on the answers given by my guest. And that's important because I think to different to, to define that within the ADE document because there is a lot of interview style podcasts out there, and I want to make sure that mine stands out. You know, um, and that is in the kind of um, the narrative driven style of it. Um, and in terms of the distribution, obviously it goes out to all the podcast networks, but I also, um, you know, cut little clips from each episode. I publish them across my personal social media account. I, uh, give those clips to my guests so they can publish them across their own personal social media accounts and distribute it across my newsletter of 3000 B2B marketers. I put onto my website. Um, and what I've noticed and this was helped by the ADE framework, helped me notice it, is these are all the things that I want to do, but I'm actually only achieving maybe like 50% of the things I've said that I want to do in terms of my distribution because I have an operational challenge. Like it's just me doing everything. So the ADE framework has given me a sense of my ambition, but it's also given me a sense of my limitation. So I can now try and you know, rectify um, yeah. that, that gap. And the end result, like what does success look like for a podcast? I mean, you know, it could be sponsorship um, and my podcast is sponsored, um, but actually the revenue is not the main objective. For me, it's about connections. Um, can I build relationships with interesting uh, B2B marketers uh, who are working or can serve solution providers? Um, you know, and I put a number against that. So I want to make sure that I interview 52 people, one, every, one a week over the course of the year um, that fit my kind of you know, ICP for the podcast. Um, and if I've achieved that, then for me, mission success. So those, those are the five elements, audience belief, creative distribution, and result. And you know, they help me make sure that I stay on track um, when it comes to me to be better. I, I love that. I think the other thing that I heard was you were clear up front, like your limitation. I think that's, you know, uh, I don't know if it's just me. Uh, I sense that often I want to do everything, <laughs> but stating the limitation uh, is like, okay, here's the resources that we have, and you know that that because of that, uh, you know, this is what we can do at the moment. Uh, really, is one of the other helpful pieces of this this framework is that you're considering, uh, you know, what is what what do, what do we need to do to get this, and what are some limitation and roadblocks that we might face. Uh, thank you for sharing. I also love the uh, the end result is focused mainly on relationships. I I would agree. Uh, if somebody asked me the same thing with it with the show that I had previously, uh, it really is about the relationships. Like that, um, some of the best online friends I have now, I I interviewed on on the show. Uh, so that's really cool to hear that we're similar there with with uh, with the show itself being relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll just, just pick on one thing on your first point, you know, in regards to kind of that, that gap, I think, you know, in some organizations, there is perhaps a misunderstanding at an executive level on how much can be achieved with how much like marketing, you should just be able to put a lot of stuff out there and like, Hey, we're, just, we're writing the posts ourselves. Like it shouldn't cost us anything. So having something like the ADE framework allows you to have a it kind of triggers a sensible conversation when you are asking for things like budget, because you can show it to the budget holder, the one who's signing off, you know, how much resource you're going to be allocated that year and say, well, yeah, here's our plan. 
they can say, well, it doesn't look like we've got enough distribution there because, you know, we should be activating press and media. We should be doing events. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. It's like, well, you know, we can't like, I mean, now at least we're having a conversation about it because, you know, we haven't got the resources we need. Um, so yeah, that's another, another, another good, another good use of the ADE framework. It allows you to kind of you know, have those, have those sometimes awkward conversations with the other stakeholders. So good. I, I love how you, this is so applicable in many things, including, uh, alignment. And then now we're talking about like, um, requesting budget itself. Well, thank you for sharing this. I really do appreciate it. I want to shift gears and talk about careers and power-ups um, to, to for other marketers. You've been in, in marketing for over a decade now, and I just wanted to hear what's one thing that's helped you accelerate your career, uh, career power-up, so to speak, a marketing career power-up that's helped you uh, level up or you know go to the next level, uh, whatever that is. I mean, to stay on topic, you know, I think, I think the podcast, um, has been a fantastic tool for me personally. I think when you work in house, which I have done for the last 10 years, and now I'm kind of starting up my own business, my, my own marketing advisory firm, particularly if you're working in an organization that does have a, on, you know, a marketing function that is on the smaller side, it can be difficult to expand your horizons on like what is actually achievable. Um, as, as a B2B marketer, um, unless you're investing in, you know, your own personal growth, um, you know, taking courses or attending events or things like that. Um, during the pandemic, when all of that was kind of shut down, having something like the podcast, which was a great mechanism in which to reach out to people I admired, who I thought were disrupting the status quo on, on how to win business in B2B, um, that really helped me continue to kind of power up and, and yeah, my, my, my experience, um, and how I saw myself as, as a B2B marketer. Um, not everyone needs a podcast, but I think creating content where you can collaborate with your peers and colleagues outside of your organization is a really fantastic way of, um, continuing to grow. I like to think of it as like you have. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a college degree where you can choose the subjects and the professors that you want to, like you want to learn about and learn from. So, um, yeah, I, that would be my power. That's, that's so good. Uh, you're, you're right. I think it's, it's also, uh, you're getting an hour of, of somebody's time, somebody you look up to who is an expert in that space. And you're right. It's like getting even one-on-one tutoring. <laughs> Private tutoring from somebody who is an expert in that space. Uh, you're totally right. I love, yeah. I love that response. Uh, I would just caveat that sure. by saying like, sorry, Ram, I would just caveat it by saying like, yeah, there should be a value exchange. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want it to kind of sound like I'm saying like, oh, you know, you're pulling the wool over someone's eyes and trying to get their time like free of charge or anything. Um, I think, you know, you need to be able to provide value back to that individual. And that's why having a public facing that's channel true. newsletter yeah. podcast what have you um you can't you, you shouldn't be interviewing people and then just like never publishing anything <laughs> where, where, where's That's the value so exchange then you know <laughs> right you're right uh and to make it clear uh, for more explain for people like people who are coming on your show they're trying to promote themselves they're trying to promote their yeah. their work 
uh, and you're giving them, you're giving the value you're giving them is you're giving them uh, a channel to distribute their ideas and their thoughts and their thought leadershipness to to the world, essentially to your own audience. So uh, that's a good point. Uh, don't don't just um, take advantage of that situation and not publish exactly. it at all. So great, exactly. Uh, it, thank you for sharing. I, I mean, the second to last question I love asking is around an advice you would give yourself, particularly an, an advice you give yourself to a younger version of Jason who is starting out in marketing. Um, what would you tell, if you can travel back in time, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, that person who is just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm new to marketing. What do I do here? And then you, you show up with, um, with your, your, your beard and your, your, your older version of yourself. What would be that advice? Mm -hmm. If it feels like you're stagnating, you probably are. Um, at the beginning of my career, I'm naturally quite a cautious person, which begs the question why I've decided to quit my job in the midst of a cost of living crisis and start a business. But, you know, um, but at the beginning of my career, I think I probably let that caution, um, prevent me from taking advantage of riskier, but ultimately what would have been super beneficial opportunities. Um, it can be very easy and, and to, 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 to feel comfortable and work at an organization that you know, pays you a, a pretty good salary and, you know, you understand the work, but you know, 10 years can very quickly pass by and you're kind of still in the same place. It's a privileged position to be in. Not everyone can move jobs as easily. You know, um, and I recognize that, but I would just say that if you're sitting there and you're listening to this, and you're thinking I've, I've been in my role for a while and I really haven't seen growth despite asking for it, then, you know, question whether that's the right place for you. And, and that's what I would have liked to have told myself right at the beginning of my career. Wow. That was such a fun and humbling chat with Jason. I've been a big fan of his work on Twitter and his newsletter. You can follow Jason on LinkedIn and subscribe to his newsletter and show at b2b-better.com. Thanks to Jason for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use hit their KPIs consistently, and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening, and please like and follow Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and leave a comment on YouTube. goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power-Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design, and thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing power-ups. Until the next episode. <laughs>